Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. All right, today on the show, we have Dylan Marmo with us. He's the principal at the Requity Group. He sponsored $50 million in multifamily investments through syndication or JVs. He's the co-founder of Equity Tree, which is an investor management software. And he's worn all the hats in the business from acquisitions, investor relations, asset management. Uh, Dylan's got a passion for putting the systems in place to build the machine. And boy, can I relate to that. Dylan, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, Devin. Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you jumping on. I, I want it. We were talking before we hit record here about, you know, your journey and the new company here. I really want to dive into to what you've uh, been up to, because since we spoke last a couple of years ago, you've done a lot. Um, before that, for folks that are not in your universe, what, where, where are you based? How, what was your journey to real estate? How, how did you get mm-hmm. there? Sure. So I'll start back to, we'll take it six years back. I'm 26 now. When I was about 20 years old, I made a pivotal decision in my life to actually leave school in upstate New York to fly across the country to sunny San Diego and surround myself with real estate investors. And it was a big leap of faith for me at that time. I had really caught in wind of a lot of the uh, a lot of the entrepreneurial books I've been feeding myself, and I decided I wanted to create a lifestyle by design and this is what I was going to do. Um, it wasn't necessarily San Diego for real estate reasons. It was more for that lifestyle by design aspect of things. And I moved out there. Um, was very fortunate to have connected with someone on Bigger Pockets on my way out, who put me in contact with the real estate investment and education company that I went to work for for a few years. So that was my first job, and that really introduced me to a lot of the real estate industry as a whole. Uh, I ended up buying my first single family. Uh, real real estate. It was a turnkey property um, over in Quad Cities. I ended up purchasing that within my first year out there, and then shortly after, bought a duplex. And as I began to learn and grow more, I realized that the model of you know working 65, 70 hours a week and and overtime buying you know a, a turnkey property once a year it was just not very really truthfully it wasn't exciting to me. Uh, it was a very sure. predictable path, and it was a very long, slow. Uh, steady journey. And and I had more of an appetite for something that entailed more uncertainty, but also more reward. And I saw multifamily syndication being the vehicle that was going to allow me to do that. So I uh, was able to just find a lot of great mentors along the way. And uh, I ended up learning a lot. For, I spent about a year just really studying avidly with any free time I had and eventually took a leap of faith because I didn't have the money, I didn't have the time, and I wasn't in boots on the ground in San Diego. So what did I have to offer? So I did take a big leap of faith to free myself up time-wise and also put myself in, into a position where I could be more of the boots on the ground, moving out to Atlanta, uh, you know, a major hub here in the Southeast. And since then, I, I'd been, I've been avidly chasing deals. It started off with a 21 unit. And uh, shortly after that, I ended up partnering with a team that had existing multifamily experience, but was new to syndication. And that was my value add was I was going to bring the sweat equity in to help work with investors, help find new deals, go out of market and things along those lines. Um, So I ended up working with the team with Rand Partners uh, a few years ago. And so once we once 
we started positioning, we had the right people in place. We started off with 132 units and then we did 146 as a joint venture. Then we did a 243 and so on. So today, fast forward, um, I've recently started my own brand uh, as of a few months back, uh, the Requity Group. And uh, at this point I have about 50 million in experience on the sponsor side with uh, a lot of syndications and some joint ventures, as you mentioned. Um, so it's been a, it's been a journey, you know, it's been a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, ups and downs and, and a lot of uncertainty as, as it is for most of us getting started, but uh, it's been, you know, it's been a, a great learning experience. Fantastic, Dylan. I really appreciate that overview. There's so much in there that, uh, that, that I love, right? The leap of faith. Um, you know, anybody that's become successful has had a decision point where they, you got to jump off, you know, and that's the difference maker between, um, a lot of people that want to do this and a handful of people that are real successful at it, you know, and that's super scary. And so I, I commend you for doing that, especially at such a young age. I, I love the story of just saying, Hey, <laughs> life by design, I'm going to fly out to the West coast and make this thing happen. And, and it's another kind of uh, point that I see for people that are successful is um, it, a firm decision, right? Where you kind of almost leave yourself no alternative, but to make it work. And when you, the people that have to make it work, make it work. The people that sort of mm -hmm. want to make it work, they don't do anything, you know, and it's, it's very clear. So that fires me up. That's very inspirational. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so are you based in Atlanta now? Is that kind of equity headquarters? I'm, I'm actually currently in Tennessee, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, yep. and I'm actually relocating to Florida in a few months. So. Okay. Okay. Now what's driving the Florida relocation? Is that to be, you know, have eyes on, you like that market to buy in or what's the it's, it's a, it's a real balance between lifestyle and also purchasing, right? Yep. I would go back to California if it was purely lifestyle, but because of, you know, the tax situation in California and the fact that there's no good deals out there, Florida is sure. a good middle ground for me where I still get the aspect of being warm year round, being by the beach and, also having a really good real estate market. I think uh, central to North Florida, there's a ton of opportunity there. So it's really my plan to plant my flag there and stick there for the long term and grow uh, a substantial base, very similar to what you, know, you guys are doing out in, in San Antonio, really knowing that market inside and out and having the systems in place in that market. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear good things about Florida. I mean, we, I, I'll invest as a passive investor out of state with different sponsors, mm -hmm. but I don't, we don't operate anything except right. what we can get to in 15 minutes, basically. But I hear good things awesome. about Florida. It seems like a, you know, a landlord friendly environment and um, seems like, you know, the migration trends are all kind of, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every, everyone from uh, New York and Michigan and Chicago is all, <laughs> they're all heading down there eventually. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, good. I like it. Um, so what was the, um, I, I want to learn more about when you started Requity and, you know, kind of your thought process on building that team. Is it, is it a solo show? Mm -hmm. Is it, um, you know, how, how did you structure that? Cause that's, we talk to people that want to get started. They want to start a private equity yep. company. Um, you know, how, how did, how did you, how did you, uh, uh, get that off the ground? Yeah. So I'm a big believer in remaining flexible, especially as you're getting started. I think it's almost a tendency for people to feel like they have to find these lifelong partners and it's no different than anything else, like a, like a marriage, right. And, and a partnership. Right. So I, I, um, upon, you know, a few months back when I realized I was going to go in a, in a different direction, it, I was in a position where I really put a lot of time and thought into where do I want to be long-term? What are my goals? And I, I realized that the best thing I could do for myself, at least for the near future, is remain independent in the sense of 
knowing the roles that I want to play on the deals that I want to be working on. I know for myself, I, I do want to have an active uh, hand in any deal that I participate in. It's not like I want to be just simply capital raising, which is fine, but you just need to know what works for you. I know for me, I'm too hands-on to be okay, just partnering and just hoping for the best and putting in the control in someone else's hands. Um, I knew that I was looking to partner with quality people and I was looking to continue to grow in multifamily. Um, I've also actually taken a, a huge liking towards, I'm getting very, very excited about the multi, uh, the mobile home park space. Um, yeah. In fact, I'm working on a few projects in that space right now. Um, I think it's a really great area to diversify in. But I know for myself, it's being in the Southeast, I do want to have you know, very hands-on active management. In some cases, that might still be with a third party with active asset management. But I, I would like in Florida, if I'm doing deals that are local, I would like to over time grow um, an internal management company too, because I've seen the benefits of having that uh, type of control. And you can become more of a market-driven buyer than a deal-driven buyer. And I think that's a point that especially early on, people don't realize, they don't recognize enough. They're always paying attention to the spreadsheet and the total returns. But um, you know, if you look at what your team's done in San Antonio, you guys know that market so well. So there might be a deal that scratches out on paper that someone else goes and buys, but you knew that there's a story about that area and that the stigma from that area alone is, is gonna hold it back from actually being able to achieve the projected rents because this side of the street is very different than the other side of the street. And in some cases it gets that granular with the location. So I think um, that's that's a big thing as far as what I wanna accomplish in Florida, but I, I will still be looking out of state and, and with that in that instance, probably partnering with a good quality boots in the ground. Yeah, perfect, perfect. That is so true. I mean, the, it's tempting to just live in a spreadsheet, right? And that is what we're all looking for, right? What's the net yeah. total return to investors? I mean, that drives all, all buying decisions, but um, there, there is this whole other boots on the ground story that you have to, you have to look at. Um, there's, there's a lot of, you know, we kind of talked at the top about wearing a lot of different hats in multifamily. You've got, you, you know, you've got different proclivities for people, whether they're spreadsheet junkies or whether they're, mm -hmm capital raising investor relation type people, whether they're, uh, you know, acquisition or operations heavy. I mean, there's kind of all these different specialties. Where do you, you know, where have you really kind of identified the areas you, you love to spend time in? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of truth to the fact that most people fall into you know, two buckets of either being sort of the, the introvert who's quality with the, the numbers and gets very granular and the extrovert who likes more of the marketing, working with investors or the brokers. Um, I've always identified as a hybrid. It's always been really hard for me to, to pick uh, which bucket I, I fall into because I do like to get into the numbers, but at the same time, I also don't mind public speaking or working with investors and so on. I have to find the right balance of, of each in my, uh, which, is, which is actually sometimes make, makes it difficult <laughs> to determine exactly, you know, it's not, it's not like something I can just wake up and say, well, I'm clearly meant to spend all my time underwriting. Um, but I, I think where I really gravitate towards is, as I mentioned, and you mentioned in the introduction is, is the system building. I like the idea of kind of taking a step back and focusing on the processes of the business. I think I'm much more of a process designer than I am by nature, just in a process implementer in the sense of, I like to step back and think about what are all the rhythms that are going to happen? Are we sending out a monthly 
newsletter? Are we getting on this many podcasts each month? Are we um, sending out, what are we doing on social media to interact and engage new investors? And then as far as the deal side goes, how many broker calls are we making each week um, out of those calls? How many deals do we expect to be able to get lay eyes on? And then how, how are we going to be underwriting these? Is there ways that we can you know, make that process more efficient, maybe have your VA do the data entry and then we do the fine tuning or something along those lines. So I'm definitely an efficiency freak in some ways. I think that's my, definitely my, my strong suit with any of this stuff is, is uh, just always trying to think about how can we simplify it and automate it. Um, so it, it's less on which specific area do I focus on, but more on the value that I bring in those areas. And I think, you know, for me, like a partner that would be uh, you know, very liable is, is someone that is a, is a quality, we'll say almost a quality f farmer in a sense. Like I may be more of the hunter, like trying to create the system, build the system, find these quality deals. And then someone, someone that's just the day-to-day -day implementer consistency uh, driven partner. I feel like that, that brings um, a, a very good balance if I'm working with someone. Yeah. That's uh, thank you for that overview. I, I love all of that. And maybe because it, it that, is exactly how I found myself operating over the years. I like the hybrid answer. People do kind of tend to fall into the type A or type B camps, you know, and the type B may be more introverted, uh, uh, data-driven, et cetera. And the, the type A is kind of the uh, fire-ready aim type. And so mm -hmm. you kind of have to have both of those elements, right? And so that that's really important. I uh, like what you said too about the farmer type. You know, I think we've we're finding success with our management company because we have a great implementer on the day-to-day -day operations, you know, somebody that's just done it for years and, and has, has that kind of uh, down pat and um, you know, identifying your strengths, especially at kind of your stage in your career and your age, that's such a huge leg up, man. I mean, congratulations on that because I think um, identifying that doubling down on your strengths is just going to propel anybody looking to do this a lot further than um, trying to, you know, if you're, if you're a three on a 10 scale on something naturally, you're probably not going to get to be a seven, eight or nine on it, you know, and if you're a seven, eight or nine on something naturally, whether that's public speaking or investor relations, you, if you're naturally uh, gravitating towards some skill, you can really become world-class oh. at it. So I love that. I love that, that overview. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, down to kind of investment philosophy and, and at the asset level, um, you know, and, and we talk a lot about multifamily in this podcast. What are you guys looking for in, in, in basically in an ideal deal? And what's your kind of investment philosophy as mm -hmm. you're, as you're uh, reviewing a deal to go by? Yeah. So I, I strongly prefer deals that have some level of in-place cash flow. Um, well, it doesn't need to be you know, six or 8% going in. I definitely like a deal that has some kind of in-place cash flow, uh, but also at the same time still has some kind of a value-add component. Um, I, I like to think of it as, you know, in, in baseball, it's, I'm not swinging for the fences, trying to hit a grand slam every time by buying this deal that's, you know, $15,000 a door, but is going to need 40,000 a door in work. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, in my view, some people are tremendous at that and I'm definitely not knocking that strategy. You can definitely probably, you can probably hit higher returns if you do that strategy really well um, over the long run. But in my view, it's just, it's above my risk tolerance. I'd rather find something that is, is more steady Eddie in the sense of, you know, I feel, I feel 
fairly confident or very, you know, very confident that we're going to be able to achieve some kind of a rent increase, but it's very based on, you know, the local rent comps. And I always like to really look heavily at the sales comps as well to see if we're buying it at a, you know, a, a rate that's going to be below what it's going to be worth after, after the repair. But I like to think of it as, you know, just going for steady doubles uh, for the most part, as far as investments are concerned. Um, and, you know, I'm definitely a huge advocate for, um, the management team and the people in place. I think at the end of the day, uh, the more you're in this business, the more you realize that most of this stuff is controllable. If there's low occupancy, it's probably controllable depending on the market. Um, uh, if there's, you know, issues on, you know, timing or being able to get your turnarounds done, it's probably controllable. A lot of this comes down to people problems at the end of the day. So you really need to make sure you have an alignment with the management company and, if you're investing passively, you have a really good alignment with the sponsorship group and you believe that they're going to be someone that, you know, has the time and, and the attention to be able to show up and, you know, get the job done. Uh, and they're not just focused on just finding the next deal or something along those lines. That's why I do think this is a full-time business in a lot of ways, um, you know, because there's so many moving parts at all times. I, I, it, I find it very difficult to be able to do part-time unless you have a big enough team I could see maybe if everyone has a specific role um, you, you can make it work yeah yeah it's a great point I, we're, we're constantly marveling you know I had lunch with a broker the other day we were having this conversation I have this conversation with people all the time that we've got a multi-million dollar investment you know maybe it's a 10 million dollar project three million dollars of equity and that that's you know it might be twice that but uh, and then you've got an office staff at 18 bucks an hour or 22 bucks an hour that like that investment success is, is basically down to them executing on a daily yeah, basis. Right. And it's just kind of amazing. Uh, and I guess any business is, is, is like that, right? You have your people running it on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's kind of mind boggling, you know, how, and, and how yeah. important that is. It's not just putting a butt in a seat and here we go. The, the return checks are going to crank out. I mean, it is, you really got to get the right people in there. So I, I, I like that. I like that focus. Yeah. And just to jump in on that too, it's the whole, the whole saying of when the, when the cat's away, the mice will play. I think it finds very true in this space because if you let your eyes off the ball for, for too long, you, you know, that part, that, that property is probably going to be hurting, right? I think you have to be very yep. active with watching those P and L's every single month, even the small things, pointing them out. It's more about just them, you know, the, the manager and the maintenance, you know, knowing that you're paying a lot of attention to these things and not letting work orders pile up or letting, you know, expenses be paid two months later or anything along those lines. hundred percent. Yeah. That stuff, that stuff can get away from you really quickly. And I, and I love that. I love that approach. Um, well, that's great. Thanks for sharing your philosophy on that. I, I like that. There's something very powerful about in-place cash flow, even if it's not optimized, um, because the, the first of the month comes around real quick. And, and if you've at yeah. least got some sort of revenue coming in and, and you've got that from day one, that's a real strong base to, um, to build a to business on and to optimize on versus no revenue or very limited revenue that doesn't cover bills. Um, let's, let's shift gears a little bit, Dylan. I want to talk about um, software company that you're co-founder on, uh, Equity Tree. Mm -hmm. What was the genesis of that? And well, first of all, what is it? And, and I would love to dig mm -hmm. in and learn more about that. Yeah, so Equity Tree is a platform that I co-founded with uh, Ekaterina Stepanova. She actually, she's in the mobile home park space, so probably partially what got me interested in the space, being around other investors in the space. But um, she started the uh, the product 
a little bit over a year ago now as something that she was going to use as a tool to be able to serve her and her JV partners, making it easier to store documents and communicate the performance on the property. And along the way, I was meeting with her every month or so and, and just giving feedback and ideas. And I said, well, it'd be great for us to partner on this because at that time I was you know, spending $15,000 a year on a software to manage our investors and our investments and show distributions. And I, I couldn't get over how simple the, the tool was for the amount of money that I felt like we were, you know, we were throwing out the, the window at a certain point. So yeah. I, uh, I, I said, well, I think this is, a, there's definitely a big need for this. And as far as something that's going to be, you know, readily accessible for um, early on investors that can't, frankly, can't spend that much. It shouldn't be more than you know, maybe a couple hundred bucks a month as, as they're growing their business. And, uh, so we, you know, we created the tool. Uh, we went live with it several months ago. Uh, we have a, you know, good early uh, base of users, and it's basically a fully functioning investor portal that helps you know, sponsors basically present new deals to their investors, upload documents to their investors, uh, showcase performance. I think of it like a Vanguard account. Like if you're investing in a, you know, in some kind of a mutual fund, you can go into there and see the performance and see your distributions and things along those lines. So. Um, so that's the idea there. Uh, you know, we put an emphasis on the the distributions, uh, or sorry, the um, the asset management uh, side of things, and actually showing performance through what we call a deal performance dashboard. Um, we're really just trying to encourage everyone to be radically transparent. Um, so it's been a it's been a good you know, good project. It's been a lot of fun, um, and I, I think it's definitely serving a, a purpose for other sponsors in the real estate community. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for the overview. I had that same. Mm -hmm. uh, thought when we were implementing uh, our investor management software a number of years back and I thought the pricing on this stuff and the, the, the software was much more rudimentary than any one of several property management softwares that I used and the, the price was several times you know I'm going there's just a disconnect here I think yeah these companies are charging a lot because they know we're dealing with a lot of equity so yeah. Hey, you guys are seem to be handling a lot of money. Here's your, here's your 15 K a year. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it just did, there's a big disconnect on that. I, I always thought. Well, plus the, the fact is that when you look at it from a business standpoint, if they're going all in and trying to build this, you know, billion dollar company or however much they, they're trying to get it to be hundreds of million dollar company. Um, it's a very small niche that we're in, right? It's an industry specific CRM in a sense is what they're creating. And there's only yeah. so many sponsors that are actively out there. So the only way they can hit a, a high enough multiple or, or target um, is going to be by raising the price on those investors. But that's just a very uh, short-term strategy because it doesn't take long before folks like us come in and begin to create a product that, that achieves a lot of the core functions and does it at a, at a fraction. You know, we're, I think we're the lowest out there. I think you know, we're, we're grandfathering users in for $1,000 a year right now for unlimited wow. deals, which is, which is a fraction of what you know, the other folks are charging. Um, but that's because I, I think we're viewing it more as a, something that's sustainable and long-term. And I don't think that you know, it's ever going to get to be this, this massive company, but it'll be a, a tool that serves a, you know, a, good, a good purpose in, that, in the community. So. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. And you're right. There's your user base is not a billion people, you know, sponsors, yeah. with multiple deals. We, we, you know, a lot of them, right. We could, we could yeah. probably name most of them. So um, yeah, that's great. Well, fantastic. And uh, continued success on that. Um, so you talked about, you know, the, the, the move to Florida, what is next for the Requity team? You know, we're talking right now kind of mid 2020. It's been an interesting mm -hmm. year to say the least. 
what is um, what is kind of the next phase that you guys are focusing on, whether it's you know, acquisitions or hiring or, or whatever the case is for mm-hmm. the team? Yeah, so right now the, the big focus is we, we have a few deals that we're close on or working on contracts on for the mobile home park space. So we expect, uh, I, have a, I have an experienced partner that we're, we're gonna start off just working deal by deal on together. Um, and we have a few deals that we should be working on um, this year. And I expect to have a pretty steady deal flow with that. I, I still expect to do a lot in multifamily. I think, especially down in Florida, as I mentioned, getting some local multifamily there and starting to build the management systems would be an ideal end to the year. If I could have a few purchases there, purchases there, um, even of different shapes and sizes, <laughs> you know, it doesn't always have to be the 150 plus units. I think if you're local, you can start to manage, uh, really efficiently on the smaller stuff as well. And I think there's a yep. lot of opportunity there that gets overlooked, Um, so, so that's definitely, um, the big focus. And then long-term is, is just continue to grow. I want to keep it simple in the sense of just staying, you know, hyper-focused on the things that we do well and finding, you know, quality deals and finding good investor partners to work with. Um, I would like to continue to do some syndications that are on the standard syndication model and also acquire some more long-term hold investments as well for myself. I have a few, I've done three. Uh, joint ventures that I plan to hold long-term at this point. I definitely want to do more of that as well. I think it's always important to uh, keep your eyes on building legacy wealth. And people ask, why don't you just raise money that holds for long-term? But I think it's, my view is that it's it's hard to find investors that will actually commit to a lifetime hold or a long-term hold. Typically, it's a little bit easier to raise the capital for five to seven years. I think that's a big, big part of it. Um, yep. But I think just, yeah, finding the blend there of, of creating the long-term legacy wealth and also finding some really you know, interesting opportunistic deals to do along the way. Yeah, that keeps it fun too, right? I mean, um, we build a model here, but really kind of B and C multifamily is kind of boring at some point, right? I mean, yeah. it's not. Yeah. Uh, so if you've got some different deals to play with and, and uh, you're, you're kind of building your own portfolio, I know for me over the years, that's been part of just keeping it interesting, which is part of being an entrepreneur, right? I mean, I, I didn't yeah. sign up to this to, to go punch a clock and sit in a cubicle and crunch numbers. It's just part of it's the lifestyle and the excitement of it. And real estate uh, definitely checks the box there, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Every day's, every day's a new adventure. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, that is definitely true. Um, well, you, you've accomplished quite a bit in a short time at a young age. I, I, uh, hats off to you on that. If you were talking to an aspiring sponsor, maybe this is somebody that uh, has, has come to real estate, they, they're, they're new, maybe they have a little capital to work with, but they want to eventually go buy deals. What would, you, what would you say to that person? So the biggest advice that I can give, and it's something that I think even I find myself having to come back to sometimes, um, is stay hyper-focused on what it is that you want to accomplish long-term. If your goal is to get into multifamily syndication, don't play around with anything else that's going on or catches your interest. This industry can be one of the most rewarding industries out there. Uh, you can create you know, an infinite amount of wealth for yourself and you can also impact a lot of people, um, both residents and, and investors along the way if you do it well. Um, but the challenge is that there's a huge learning curve. Um, it's, it's very difficult to get people to take you We'll say get, take you seriously in the, in the beginning if you don't really know what you're talking about and if you're not really focused. So I think what worked well for me and why I was able to 
get a lot done at an early age was just the fact that I, I was not interested in anything else. And I really said no to virtually everything else in, until getting momentum in this business. And I think that's what it requires. So it requires just utmost focus. Any free time you have, you should be you know, listening to this podcast, listening to other podcasts, uh, reading, reading the books, right? getting all that, that baseline education down. And then beyond that, reaching out and connecting with other sponsors in the space. And eventually people will begin to take you serious just because they see how committed you are and that you're not slowing down. You're not backing out. You're not going and dabbling with, um, you know, online e-commerce or you're not going and dabbling with, you know, flipping a house along the way. I think just showing that I'm going to get into you know, commercial real estate or get into, get into multifamily specifically, and this is my niche and I'm going to be syndicating and, and just staying true to staying the course the entire time and being willing to have it take 18 months, 24 months before you get that first deal, um, knowing that what's on the other side of it is, is going to be rewarding. That would be my best uh, advice. I love it. I love it. Truer words were never spoken. There's, there's a lot in there um, for the aspiring or new person to, to get. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Dylan, I really appreciate it. There's a ton of nuggets here. I, I, I love having you on the show. If somebody wants to reach out and connect with you, what's a good avenue for that? Yeah, you can reach me on most social media, uh, Dylan Marma. You can reach me on my email, uh, Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N, at therequitygroup.com. And you can also visit the website, therequitygroup.com. That's equity with an R before it. I can't believe you guys got that name. That's awesome. I mean, that's... that's (laughs) I appreciate it. That's a good name. We'll link to the uh, website in the show notes. If you're listening to this on an iPhone or or Android, you just go right in the podcast, right in the... um, show, pull it, pull your car over and then hit the link and, and then you can go straight to the website there and connect with Dylan. So um, Dylan, Marma, thank you so much for jumping on. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Devin. Really appreciate it. All right. We'll see you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.